Well, welcome to Lunch Hour, everybody. My name is Ashton Fish. I'm your host. And today I have Christina Walters with me. She is the Northwest Next Gen Director. And I'm so excited to have you on, Christina. And first, as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I live in Olympia, Washington. I started working for the Northwest District, I think four years ago, probably this month, actually. That's crazy. It might be five years, which... No, it's got to be four years. It's four years. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Time flies. And I have um, started off doing youth ministry, three on life, was on staff with them for a little while, uh, specifically wildlife. So middle school, which I still love middle school. Every I don't know why people don't like middle school because it was awkward for them, but I think that's the fun of it. So I started doing wildlife. That was uh, after graduated high school. And led that for a while, which was a great foundation. And I had just this thing in my heart that was, I want to do something like this, but that, um, not that Young Life doesn't do this, but where I was specifically was not connecting with the local church. And I had this huge heart to get these people, these students beyond just meeting in their cafeteria. So, um, so I went off to college pursued a degree in nutrition of all things because uh, felt a calling in my life earlier to, to work with kids. And at some point um, the Lord showed me, Hey, I want you to pursue nutrition and work with kids who are malnourished and pursue that a little bit. So all kind of came together eventually, but um, so I, I was in college, started um, walk or stepped down from staff with Young Life and then started getting involved in a very charismatic church in Seattle and was blown away because <laughs> I grew up Baptist and I was like, what is happening? Uh, people are raising their hands and this is, this is unusual and speaking in tons and people are falling down at times. And <laughs> it was, it was a whirlwind. And I just, yeah, felt at that time, like, okay, God's doing something. God healed me from a bunch of crap that was going on in my life. And then I uh, went home after I graduated college and started getting involved in college ministry at a new church that I was going to, which was a four square church. Never heard of four square. Couldn't have told you what the four squares were or anything <laughs> at the time. Started getting involved in their youth or youth and young adults. And then at some point I uh, got asked to start up like a official college group. And that was kind of the beginning of me working with Foursquare and pastoring people. And then that led me to working in the Northwest District, and I got asked a few years ago to step into that. And on the side, I still do nutrition, so I'm a dietitian, and I work with all types of uh, nutrition situations, but uh, specifically, uh, kind of like my main thing is eating disorders, but when I say that, people think I only do that, but I do everything. So yeah, I do that a couple days a week. I see clients one-on-one. I get to work in that kind of mental health medical field and then also do what I do at the district and help people be better youth and kids leaders. So that's my spiel. I'm married, been married for two years and yeah, two whole, not even two years yet. And that's been, uh, interesting, (laughs) good, (laughs) uh, but challenging. I was, got married when I was 33. And single pretty much all before that. So 
God's been, done a lot of really interesting things and I feel I am not the norm. So <laughs> that is okay, but I've had to, to learn how to not be ordinary and God's not called me to be ordinary <laughs> and I'm not going to be the typical person. So, and I'm learned to be okay with that. So yeah, that's my little background. That's good. Yeah. And speaking of not in the ordinary, we are in a pandemic right now. And I think we're in like the eighties. Like what day are we in now? Like 80 days of something like a- it depends on where you're at. So, yeah, exactly. We're in Washington state. We're in like day probably a hundred, but okay. <laughs> we were the, that's right. We're the catalyst for all of it. Totally. Yeah. So with, with this, you know, strange time, what have you been learning about like next gen ministry as being a leader of, of leaders and leading basically a lot of the Northwest, what have you been learning in the season about next gen ministry? Um, well, I think when, when we you know, talked a little bit about this or whatever, um, one of the things that I maybe am not going to be a popular thought, but I actually think it's a, not that the coronavirus is a blessing, but I'm going to say that it's overall a blessing because I feel I have, um, being in my role now for a few years, I feel like I've just kind of been going upstream at times mm-hmm. when it comes to youth and kids ministry. Now I'm not to say in the Northwest district, I believe we have incredible kids and youth and young adult leaders, but I think sometimes they're going upstream too and fighting against this event culture every week, doing something, um, all about inside the church walls and all those things are fine, but we can be so overwhelmed by them that all of a sudden this pandemic happened and we're stuck at home with our families and having to really think about ministry differently in the way that the early church had it figured out. (laughs) And for years I've just been, and I'm sure Ashley, you feel this way too. Like, Oh, what are we doing? Like, why are we focused so much on these things that really don't matter? And when we get back to the basics and I feel like this pandemic has in work, at least for the Northwest district and talking to a lot of my leaders and we have about, I think yours probably about the same, you know, 200 ish churches. Mm -hmm. And in talking, I haven't talked to all of them, but in talking to a lot of them, it's this, they're having to be creative and kind of think differently. And it's revealed a lot of issues in maybe the, the culture of their church and leadership and going, wait, do I even know my students? Do I know the parents? I'm having to connect with the parents I have, but I'm having to like actually call them yeah. and pick up a phone or, you know, have challenging conversations because all of them are upset because they don't get to graduate in the same way that they thought. And they're all in, you know, so many are in fear or even my, you know, some of my leaders living in fear and it's just, so I think it's been like, I am probably unpopular in my, but has been this weird blessing because it's also show like for once also, and you've probably seen this in youth ministry and, and kids ministry too, but People are sick of having a phone in their hand. They're sick of, I mean, like we even said, Zoom, we're Zoomed out. I never <laughs> yeah. even thought that would be a thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of Netflixed out, like just 
like, okay, we've watched every possible series we can and we're done with the iPads and not that those things are inherently evil, but they can be used in healthy ways and unhealthy ways. And I think, oh, finally people are like wanting to hang out together and be in community. And like in Acts 2, where it says for, you know, breaking of bread and coming together. And that was the early church. And then they met in the temples and they met at home. So there's, it's not that we just throw out all church buildings, but it's like, okay, we look at this. We can now start building in Washington. We can get like five of us together. Well, depending on what county you're in, but, um, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like get five people together yeah, and start get, getting together and building actually lives and getting to know one another. So that's a long spiel, but I feel there's real, there's this awareness of, wow, we actually need people interaction, people to people, not like you and I right now, but actually us meeting together in person. There's this huge yeah. desire and that's from Jesus. Like God made us for community. It's not good for man to be alone. It is not. Really unhealthy things happen when that is the case. Yeah. Um, we were just talking before this about, I was just, I just graduated and I took a class and they said, there's three major metaphors in the Bible, the cross, new life and community. And I think that's what you're hitting on right now is community. Like those are the three things that are, you know, interwoven between all of the old and the new Testament, the cross, yeah new life and community. And I think our culture here in America, and we both can agree, we are not a communal culture. We are an individualistic society that is about us and doing our thing. And, and really that creates isolation and, and mm -hmm. creates all of these nasty things that I think now we're like, oh my gosh, we cannot live this way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like totally. social media can't deliver it. <laughs> Netflix mm -hmm. can't deliver it. FaceTime can't deliver it. You know, Zoom can't deliver it. It has to be real life together yeah. um, which that is community and, and yes you know can social media supplement that and can zoom mm -hmm. help that a little bit yes but at the end all of my youth students i'm a youth pastor right now they're dying they want to be back together it's like totally you know uh, anyway so i love that you're putting yeah. that out there saying hey i think i think maybe the holy spirit's waking us up as a church saying hey instead of letting the culture of america that's all about individualism lead us let's let the community it's even found in the Trinity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Totally. The church being together. Yeah. You know? When if your youth ministry or kids ministry falls apart during this pandemic, that's telling in my mind. Okay. Because tell, me, tell me a little bit more about that. I think that's a good line. Let's, uh, let's drop the mic, Christina, drop it. <laughs> but I have no microphone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. What am I saying? I'm, just gonna, I'm a trained youth drop pastor. My pen. My... <laughs> well, I just don't, because it, like this is one of the things I see is if all it was about, and I'm going to, I'll pick on high school ministry for a second because um, that was a little bit maybe easier for this. If all you're focusing on is a good message, a good sermon every week, and that you're expecting that kids are going to show up, which I think is um, an old school way of thinking yeah. And we've said for years, and even probably the person who does this says that, but maybe there's some expectation from their lead pastors or whatever that's going on. And so they've got to deliver a fabulous sermon every week. And your focus is that and believing, now God can totally use that. That's great. But 
if your ministry falls apart during this time, that shows you have no relationship with people. Ooh, that's good. And no, like kids, pastors, they're pastoring kids, but they're really pastoring parents and families and youth pastors. Like, I mean, I had a conversation, I think last week about, you know, during this time and talking to a youth pastor and saying, do you have kids phone numbers? Do you have youth kids phone numbers? Like, have you called them? (laughs) And she realized like, I don't have like, don't have it. Like, what about your leaders? Do you, do you know what's going on with your leaders? Have you checked in with them? Do they have other students' phone numbers that they can call and say, Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. And if that, if your ministry is falling apart, if that's not just happening anyway, that's a good thing of being aware of like, okay, right now, this is a great opportunity for me to pick up the phone and easy back in the day, no one would answer the phone. Now I call people and they answer. I'm like, Oh, Hi. Like I'm not just leaving a place in hell. Yeah. Uh, and I'm calling and talking to people and they're struggling and we're talking and like, I can so much say, Hey, how are you doing with all this stuff going on? Uh, what about all the, you know, uh, protests? Like, how are you feeling about all of that? Uh, yeah. just asking, have real conversations. Yes. Phone does not replace it, but it's a starting point. Or I can call, you know, a student and say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, with staying at home and you're not being able to go to graduation. Like that's gotta be hard. You know, and someone might not say anything, but way more now I'm finding that at least my leaders are, they're like talking in ways I've never heard. They're telling me stuff. I'm like, all right, this is great. It's not just about what they're doing ministry wise. It's about like their families and their struggles. And so, but I think that's where it's, if you don't have a relationship, which is what God is all about, that's where the gospel is central. Like God, Jesus literally came so you could have a relationship with his people. Yeah. To have actual genuine relationship. And if that's not, that's a good indicator. Maybe I need to do things a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at success yeah. in relational equity or relational terms versus just having people show up or having views on a message, you know, wait, instead of looking at that as success, viewing it as, no, have you talked to somebody this week? You know, how is that student doing? Totally. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I could go on probably about this and hopefully I don't lose my job over it, but like even the fact that we take stats, I think is, now maybe not everyone does, but that we count kids. I think it's awesome. Like there was, somebody counting the 5,000 that Jesus fed. So that's okay. Um, and but, there's a book of the Bible called numbers. I mean, you know, it's just yeah, which is so invigorating when you read it. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy spirit is in it, but I'm just like, okay, you got to help me here. Um, but like, even if that's how, and I, I remember being in local church ministry and like we had success because we were growing. Yeah. Like our college ministry was thriving because people were showing up. But the reality was, it, yes, people, there is sense in that. Like people are inviting people. That's great. But like, what's the reality? Are people's lives being changed? Are they being discipled? Are they becoming f- severe followers of Jesus? And that you can't write down in a number, but you know, those stories, yep. you know, those people, you see the transformation happening. And those you might never put down 
as a number because they got saved a year ago yep. or they showed up a year ago. And those are things I'm like, that that's what Jesus is about mm-hmm. and is still. Yeah, that's I think it's really good for our American church mindset that things are getting shut down. I know it sounds horrible, but I do. I do think it's actually a helpful thing. Um, it's a hard thing, but I think God can be in this for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I've talked with some pastors and leaders, uh, kids and youth that are like, oh, it's just so awesome. I feel like I'm like getting a break, even though, you know, we had to adapt mm-hmm. to things online. But like, I hear like all of my friends that are young leaders or, you know, youth pastors, young pastors, kids pastors, like, like you kind of like, this is exciting. And even somebody's like, oh man, I'm kind of like, I don't want to go back. Like, oh, yeah. like people saying, I don't want to go back. And they're like, ah, I'm so bummed that I'll have to like manage all this stuff and volunteers and do all this stuff that like, that I don't really like doing, <laughs> um, which <laughs> what I like doing is being with people and actually yeah. connecting, you know, um, mm-hmm. and during the season, not having all this expectation, like you said, from this church, the capital C church that we need to have a bunch of people and events and, you know, mm-hmm. keep rolling, keep going. And, and, you know, um, what my pastor calls like light bulb ministry, where it's like you burn one person out or you burn yourself out and you, you know, somebody else has to come in now. And it's like, yep. we're on this burnout ministry, you know? Um, so I think yep. in a way that what you're saying is true, that the God is giving us a way to pause, to create, mm-hmm. not to remember the, we use it in that way. And it's a great time that I think in this pandemic time that it brings up the need for the gospel like never before because I'm seeing at least in what I see is like wow people are really struggling this fear around like coronavirus is a real threat but like we've always been like death is a thing (laughs) uh, but maybe we it's brought some things where wow we live in a culture that is not serving jesus and this is not our only life like life doesn't end for us mm-hmm. like death is not the end and death is just a thing on earth but we continue our life continues yep in heaven or or hell like it's this is not the end but if you don't have the hope in jesus then we're seeing what we're seeing now and people checking their phones all the time for the news and freaked out and going like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And everyone else that I love is going to die. And the whole world's going to fall apart Yeah. where it's like, no, like God's in control. He's bigger than that. If that happens, there's still hope. There's, there's continuation of our lives and there's a better life to come. So I think it's, it's making me aware of, wow, these people are in such huge need of the gospel and Jesus to bring salvation to their core and all these fears. And yeah. So for me, it's helped me see like, that's right. Jesus is really important and the most important thing. (laughs) Yeah. And when we don't follow Jesus, we will live in fear. And those of us that still have anxiety and fear, but it's different to be bound by it than to have it. Yeah, to just experience it. We're, we're human. Mm-hmm. We're going to experience fear. And yeah. not all fear is bad, right? There's positive, yeah. like, you know, totally. you're, you're, you're up on a big mountain and you have fear falling off the edge. Well, it's probably good so you don't fall off the edge, you know? Yeah. So we're going to experience fear. But you're talking about a crippling fear that, that de- debilitates you, that freezes you, right? I mean, you know, yeah. you're right. So many people are, are stuck 
right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a great time for us. So that's where the church is still needed, obviously, but the yeah. gospel, which is what we bring is really what's needed. Yeah. Well, good. So. Well, hey, I have another question for you. Um, and you, you already are doing this, but can you share an encouragement with us? Um, can you just encourage us next gen leaders? Cause we just talked about it. There's even though right now we're like, okay, we, some of us are glad, you know, that we got a little, little bit of a break or that God's <laughs> Which should be telling if we're like, yeah. Woo! coronavirus. <laughs> we're like, uh. Maybe things aren't healthy. <laughs> Maybe we need to change a little bit. Huh, Pastor Christina? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like give us a little encouragement because as well, like you said, a lot of our own personal struggles have come out. A lot of mm-hmm. our own family things, relational things, right? Spiritual. Yeah. I've, I've talked to so many people that are like, I'm even questioning my faith right now. I'm questioning oh, yeah. the whole paradigm because we're in this pandemic and I'm struggling. So can you just pastor us for a few minutes, just love on us and, and, and give us what, what God is saying right now to us. Oh gosh. Wow. What is God saying to you right now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like a little bit of pressure. Well, I'd say go to the Lord, um, ask God what he's saying to you. Um, I'll give what I feel the Lord has been saying to me. Um, this has been a really, I, told you a little bit before, but a really challenging time for me and my, um, and just my context. Uh, but it's been really helpful. There's been a lot of things that the Lord has revealed. So I would just tell that everyone like, Hey, I get it. Um, right before all the coronavirus stuff took place, my husband, um, had a mental health breakdown, I would call it, um, things really falling apart issues from the past coming up and then all the coronavirus stuff hit and we were isolated and it was just, it's been a whirlwind. Um, so I think my encouragement would be, um, I want to share a little, um, blurb from C.S. Lewis in a time that was much like this, but what I have realized is no matter what comes our way, that God can still be in it. And that, and let me tell you, these times bring up crap. Sometimes I cuss, so I'm really glad I didn't uh, <laughs> just now. <laughs> but you're good, you're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a real person, people. But th- that's another thing is like, of in all of this, I've realized how important community is, but also of us not hiding. So even in relation to my marriage and being with somebody who's felt the need to hide based on his own personal experiences and as well as my own things of like, Oh, I can't share this with people or people will understand. I'm like, screw that. Like I'm a real person and my husband is a real person and we are in major need of Jesus and healing and restoration and God to intervene. And so whatever, like if it's not that big of a thing, um, if it's the pandemic that's bringing stuff up, I'm like, good, good. That my, my little view of God and my idol of having a perfect marriage and easy life has crushed. Yeah. And, and it's not a real thing. It's not something that God has promised, but the thing he's promised that he's, he's with me in no matter what the circumstance and that he will guide me. And he's, he is ever present and he's got a bigger plan in it. That is the hope. And believe me, I've been on my knees praying and crying 
many days in the last few months. And what I have found is God does not always respond in the way, like, I'm like, God, just give me a word and it's silent. And those are times where I go, what the heck? Like, seriously, Lord, when I need you, where are you? Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I think the encouragement is uh, we're real people in need of a perfect God, in need of a God that is available all the time, that we don't have to hide our stuff. It's okay if you struggle with your faith and questioning if God's there or if he's good. Or I go, yeah, that's awesome. Do that. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like question to a place where you're not bound by it, but read the Psalms and you realize David is all over the place. And, and the other Psalm writers are all over and they're questioning God, God, are you really good? Are you really there for me? And then the next moment, Oh God, you've come through here, here for me. And there's so much realness and God is about us being real, not us faking it and like, God's good all the time. Yeah. God is good all the time, but it doesn't always feel like it. Yeah. So I think that would be just something that I've been learning in this really challenging time, probably the most challenging time of my life um, of, wow, I'm not meant to be isolated. God is ever faithful. And, and in this time, uh, this is one thing I was thinking about this. I have learned how to be brutally honest with God. It's been a word that God, that God gave me of just like, Hey, Christina, I'm brutally honest with you. Can you be brutally honest with me? So I will journal, I will be praying and I pray and I literally tell God there are times, and this might feel like heresy, but I will tell God, I do not believe you are there. Mm-hmm. And I'm brutally honest because that's what's in my heart. God knows it. I'm like, I don't believe you're there. You know, and it's kind of interesting. I'm like praying to God, telling him he's not there, but I'm talking <laughs> to him. So, you know, but, or I'll be like, I don't think you care about me. Or I'm struggling here. Why? Like what? Why? 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 You know, and that's okay. And then I'm really honest with God and there will be moments where God does speak back and it's profound or times where I read the scripture and I'm like, I've never seen it like this. So I would say the encouragement is, and in this whole process, I realize isolation is not helpful. Um, We all struggle and the, the help that you can get is so important. Even if there's people you might tell about certain things, hey, I'm struggling with depression, or I'm struggling with um, an eating disorder, or I'm struggling with um, my marriage or um, sexual issues, or like, and it doesn't isn't well received. Like, keep trying. Uh, talk to the Lord. Bring it up to people because hiding is when we cover things that we can't have real relationship with God or anyone. So, but. In regards to C.S. Lewis. Because oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you that. What, what was the C.S. Lewis quote? Because, come on. So, the C.S. Lewis. Yeah, so it's a little bit – let me – I'm being long-winded. But it is so, so helpful. And I sent you the resource about it, Ashton. Yeah. Um, and it was from Bridgetown, which is a church in Portland. So just a little south from me. They're not four square, but they're awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, so, but I, so that's where I heard it. So I sent you the link for the podcast. And the guy does a way better job than I'll do. But the time that C.S. Lewis was alive, there was a real threat of the atomic bomb. And that was, there was an atomic bomb. There is the coronavirus. So not that we can use that as the exact same situation because it doesn't always work. But he talks in regards to the atomic bomb and the fear that it brings in people. 
of at one moment in London or he lived in Oxford, you know, an atomic bomb could be dropped and they're all wiped out. And the same for us in a time where we feel really threatened by this disease that we, it can bring certain things up. So that's the context. Um, and because we're Christians and we are all apparently fans of C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I read this. So uh, you can kind of interchange, sort of, kind of, I want to be sensitive to this, but you can't totally interchange when he uses atomic bomb for coronavirus. So this is what he says. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb or coronavirus. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you already are already living in an age of cancer, in an age of syphilis, in an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented or before we knew about coronavirus. And, uh, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not at not a chance at all, but a certainty. And then he ends with this. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, coronavirus, cancer, whatever, whatever it is, let that bomb or whatever, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Hmm. Come so, on, please, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> so I sent you the link for that, but it's just a really great reminder of not that, you know, I think we need to have wisdom of, you know, don't maybe go to the person's house and be crammed, maybe still social distance or whatever, but may whatever way that we go out, people be finding us doing the things that God's called us to do. Yeah. Hanging out with friends when you're able. And this is where people can use judgment and wisdom, but of finding us doing the things that God's called us to do. Come on. So that's my, my little deal. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's so good. And I'm definitely going to look into that. So um, can you share the other resources? I think I asked you to share three. Yeah. So you just shared one. Can you just share the other? Yeah. Two? So my other resource for next gen and is not in relation to obviously pandemic. I guarantee there'll be great sociologists who do a bunch of studies on this, but 
um, and probably psychologists and everyone else. <laughs> uh, but uh, Next Generation Leader by Andy Stanley is my constant go-to, has for years and years and years and years. So it's probably 10 years old now, but it's still a great resource, a great book. It talks about five different essentials for those in Next Generation Ministries. And um, my other one is a Brene Brown book called The Gifts of Imperfection. Uh, if people are not familiar with her, she is a researcher on shame and vulnerability. And she talks about how to live in our imperfections and not. And I think for so many of us that follow Jesus, we unfortunately, myself included, get it wrong and think we have to be perfect in what we do. And there's oftentimes this shame dialogue from the enemy. And she talks about that uses different verbiage, but it is so good as far as leading in our imperfections and that vulnerability, even sharing, you know what I share, I guarantee that ministers to someone because someone else goes, Oh, someone else's marriage <laughs> is struggling. Oh, okay, cool. Um, or someone else is struggling with mental health or all those things. Like those are our imperfections that God uses and makes beauty out of. And I never understand it, but it's so true. And if we can live in those things and yes, not just go, yeah, I'm never going to work on anything, but <laughs> it's such a good book. She's such a good writer and, and orator. So, um, yeah, so those are my resources. And obviously I know you guys in your district and mine as well, that we have tons of resources on how to do next gen ministry, some practical things as well as some like mental health side of things which I think is a part we do want to talk about this, like talking about digital issues, talking about mental health in this time is so important and we often overlook. So I know you guys have, I think you guys have a bunch of resources, right? On your website. On our, on our page. Yeah. Yep. So those are, I think more specific to this kind of pandemic as far as how to actually do this, but I guarantee all your people are already in that. (laughs) If they're not, (laughs) <laughs> if they're not doing something for ministry, that might be a problem. So. Definitely. Well, Christian, thank you so much. And I'm actually going to put um, the resources in the blog and the podcast. So it'll literally be down there. You can click on uh, these. And, and again, just encourage you to check out um, Brene Brown. She's just anything that she writes is amazing. Um, I, I agree. Andy Stanley's the man. And then I really am looking forward to going to Bridgetown church and looking at this teaching because I feel like this is a timely word for right now. And, uh, and they have some really, he, he, he addresses a bunch of different things on it. So you can kind of look a bunch. So sorry, cut you off. Oh no, you're good. You're good. Perfect. Yeah. That, that, I, I haven't looked at it yet. So I'm really glad that you explained that. So, um, but thank you so much, Christina. Thank you for thank you. just being vulnerable with us today. I think would probably be the right word and just being honest um, about what you're going through and, I think it's all okay to not be okay in this season, mm-hmm. um, yeah. even as leaders, knowing that we're struggling. Yeah, messiness. Yep. Ministry is messy. <laughs> Life is messy. Um, even us district employees with the position and titles, we're just still people um, that struggle yeah. and that need Jesus just like the rest of everybody. So thank you for reminding me of that today as I was talking to you. I just, I felt you ministering to my heart as you were speaking. So thank you for yeah. being real and, Um, We hope everybody enjoys this and I hope you enjoyed this episode of. Thank you.